Thank you for joining us on the Crossroads Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you as part of our family. We're a community where people are welcomed home, built up, and sent out. Our prayer is for you to find meaningful relationship and belonging with both God and His people. We'd love to connect with you. Download the Crossroads Church app, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or simply send us an email at info at mycrossroads.co. We pray that as you hear this message, you encounter Jesus and all that he has in store for you. Good morning, Crossroads. And good morning to all those who are watching online around the the country and even more and more around the world. God bless you, and we're just really glad that you're part of of this service today. I just want to give you a a kudos for uh, for last week. So many of you watched, and so many of you came back this week, and, and also you shared and invited Uh, other people into this uh, message and to uh, to watch the message last week. We had over 9,300 people watching online last week, and that's a a conservative estimate. So so keep inviting and keep sharing because it's making a huge difference. And I'd like to start this this message with a a story. It's a story about little Johnny. Johnny was a five-year-old boy, and he was a smart little boy. And he one time came up to his dad and said, Dad, I'd like a baby brother. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get a baby brother. So his dad, who was a 35-year-old smart man, thought for a second. He said, tell you what, Johnny, if you pray for two months straight every day, I guarantee you that God's going to give you a baby brother. Well, Johnny was beside himself. He was so excited. He immediately ran into his, his bedroom and started to pray. In fact, he prayed every single day for a month straight for a baby brother. Well, he started asking around the neighborhood, and he got started getting really suspicious because in the history of the whole neighborhood, nobody had ever prayed for two months for a baby brother, and boom, all of a sudden it happened. So, so Johnny stopped praying. But one month after the time when he stopped praying, his mom went to the hospital and came back a few days later, and his parents invited him into the, their bedroom, and, and there was a bundle next to, next to Johnny's mom. And the dad said, why don't you go look and see what that bundle is? So we pulled the, the, the sheet back, and there wasn't just one baby brother. There were two baby brothers. And his dad looked at him and said, said Johnny, aren't you glad you, you prayed? And he said, yes, I am, Dad. But aren't you glad I quit when I did? You know, we're, we've been talking about uh, prayer for several weeks before Easter. And we're going to continue that for a, for a couple of weeks. Don't miss next week. Because it's going to be talking about uh, what happens when God doesn't answer our prayer, when we the way he, we want him to, the timing that we think he should. What do we do then? And why does that happen? So it's going to be really important, and that's a message we can all relate to. But we've been talking this series, the whole real message of the series is that real people praying real par- prayers can have a real power and make a real difference. We're just going to continue that to, uh, today. And some of you know you know your prayers are powerful. You've seen God work in such powerful ways, and you've seen God answer prayers. You've seen God perform miracles in, uh, in your life through your prayers. Others of us, you need to know how powerful your prayers can, can be. And I just want to start out, we're going to look at a lot in the Word of God. I hope you're ready to get in the Word of God today because we're going to be doing it. James chapter 5, we start out with this. It says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective said, Elijah was as human as we are. Don't miss that. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall 
None fell for three and a half years. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its, its crops. The Bible goes out of its way to say that Elijah was just like us. There wasn't anything special about him. He prayed and, and he was able to pray with power. And God wants you to know that even though you're a normal human being, you can pray with power too. What would happen if we believed, I mean truly believed, that we could pray with the power of Elijah? I want to take you back to a, a mental time machine about 3,000 years that a battle was taking place in a valley between the Israelites on one side and the Amalekites on the other. And there were two central figures in this story. First one is Moses, and Moses was the, the leader of the, the Israelites at that time. And then there was Joshua, who was the five-star general. He was the, the leader of the army for the Israelites. And I want you to read from, uh, us to read from Exodus chapter 17. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of a hill with the staff of God in my hands. Now, if you were Joshua, you may ask, wait a second, time out one second. Uh, let me get this straight. I'm going to go out and fight and you, our leader, are going to be on a hill. Is that right? Absolutely, that's right. Why are you going to do that? Because I'm going to fight, Moses said, where the real battle is taking place. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and her went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, praying, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. Now, the, the, the casual observer, it would seem like the battle was taking place in the valley, right? Because that's where the horses were, that's where the swords were taking place, that's where the blood was flowing. But if you really take a look, the real battle was taking place on the mountain, not in the valley. And I'm just so thankful for the Aaron and hers that have been in my life, the people who have lifted me up in prayer, and there's so many of you, and thank you so much for that. And I especially am so thankful for when the times where I was, I was too tired to pray for myself or too whooped for, to pray for myself. And you know what I'm talking about. And the other thing is we're called to be Aaron and hers for other people. That we're to, to lift their hands up in prayer, especially in the times when they're too whooped or they're too exhausted to pray for themselves as, as well. And if we had an interview with Moses after the battle had been won, and you said, you know, what was the key to the battle? I guarantee you he would not have said this. I guarantee you he would have not have said, well, you know, I, I learned a flanking technique in Egypt and that was the key to the battle. He also wouldn't have said that he was, that it was because our army was bigger and stronger than the Amalekites because it wasn't. It was the other way around. Uh, he would have said, I lifted my hands, I prayed, and God won the battle for us. Listen to these two verses. They're life-changing verses. If we truly understand this, it will change your life. And the first one is Zechariah 4.6. It's not by might nor by power, but by God's Spirit, says the Lord. It's not by might nor by power, but by God's Spirit, says the Lord. And the other one is from 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15. And it says this, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, whatever that is in your life. He said this, For the battle is the Lord's, not God's. 
What would happen in our life if we truly believed that it wasn't by might, it wasn't by power, but it was because of God's spirit? That's the reason the victory was going to happen. And what would happen if we truly believed that the battle was the Lord's and not ours? You know what happens when we believe the battle is, is ours instead of the Lord's? We get discouraged, we get exhausted, and we get defeated. You know what happens when we forget that it's not by might and not by power, but we think it's by us instead of God's spirit? We get discouraged, we get exhausted, and we get defeated as, uh, as well. You know, after they won the battle, listen to what the Lord told them to do. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. What do you think it was that God wanted them to remember? First of all, that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by his spirit. That the battle belongs to the Lord. That when we're really strongest is when we're on our knees. And that doesn't mean we don't do anything. We pray as if, as if it belongs to God, and we work as if it belongs to, to us. But the real key isn't our work. We need to understand that the real key is God's power because the battle belongs to him. Maybe it's, it's time that, that we as, as parents realize that the battle wasn't in going toe-to-toe and jaw-to-jaw with our teenage son or daughter that the battle was going to be won on our knees on their behalf. Maybe it's time that we realized as a, as a couple that the battle isn't won in trying to win an argument with our spouse, but the battle is won on our knees praying for our spouse and praying for our, our, our marriage. Maybe we need to realize as singles as that the battle isn't, uh, isn't won, as we're not going to find that as, as we go out and look for, a, uh, for a, another person, a, a mate, but the battle is won on our knees as we pray for God to, to bring that. And some of you are saying, well, I have been. I've been praying for a long time. And we're going to be talking about perseverance in just a, just a few minutes. But I want to say this. You know, I, I'm pretty honest with you about things, times where I blow it and times where I continue to, to blow it. But there was something I did right in my, uh, in my life. There was, uh, even before my, my kids were, were born, I would go and lay hands on, on them and just pray for, uh, pray for their spouse and pray that God would prepare their spouse for them and there for their spouse. And when they were little babies in the crib, I would pray over them for their spouse. And when they were young ladies, I would go in the room and just pray over them for, for their spouse, even when they didn't know I was praying for them. And you know, I, I got a, an email one day from a person who would eventually be the, my son-in-law and I got an email, and this is what it said. Thank you for raising such a godly young lady. It said, these are the things, three pages of, these are the things that I love and appreciate about your daughter. And then he said that, you know, I'm not looking for something to do on a Friday or Saturday night. I'm looking for a potential uh, spouse. And he said <laughs> something I loved. He said, these are my four levels of accountability for purity. Well, I wrote back really quick and, and said, Yes, 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 you may, pre- you may date my daughter. And then I said this, I said these words. I said, you know what? I don't know you. I've never met you, but I've been praying for you before you were born. They read those, uh, those emails at the, at the wedding reception. And you know, uh, something that we need to remember too is that the battle for, in our school isn't one, is one on our knees. The battle is the Lord's. That the, the battle in your, in your job, the battle for our church, the battle for our, our nation is one on our, on our knees. And it, listen to this verse. For the, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We so act like it is, don't we? But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
So if that's where the battle is, if the real battle is taking place in the heavenly realms, then why are we spending so much time and so much effort in the physical realm fighting our battles? In other words, we need to do more battling on the mountain and less battling in the valley. God wants us to, to pray with the power that he's given us. God also wants us to pray with the authority he's given us. The word authority in the, in the Greek New Testament is the word exousia, and it literally just means to, to, to be the ability to exercise the power that you've been given. When we're little kids, we understand what authority is. When, when our brothers or sisters come in and tell us something to do, we blow them off, right? But if they come in and say, mom or dad says that you're supposed to, boom, that changes everything because that has authority behind it. You know, uh, early on in my ministry, God kind of tapped me on the shoulder when something was happening, and he, he showed me there was a, a cop who was out in the middle of a street, and, and he was stopping traffic with, with four hands. And I mean, I mean there was, he was tra stopping traffic with cars and trucks and semis and everything just by raising his hand. And it was like God pointed out and said, it's not because of who he is. It's because uh, he's exercising the authority that he's been given. And you and I have been given authority. First of all, Jesus Christ has all authority. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, he says all authority, don't miss that, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. If you've been given all the authority in heaven and earth, you've been given all authority. But now here's the incredible thing. Watch who he gives that authority to. In Matthew chapter 10, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Luke chapter 10, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. It is so vital for us to understand that God just didn't give his, his authority to his, his followers and his disciples in, in those days. He's given us that same authority as disciples and followers of him today. And look at the authority that we've been given also that Jesus says in the words of Jesus. First in Matthew chapter 16, he says, whatever you bind, whatever, that's an important word, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If we didn't get it the first time, two chapters later, he says the same thing, only he starts this, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in, in heaven. I mean, Jesus never told a lie, but he, when he wanted to get a point across, he said, I tell you the truth. Twice, he let us know that we could bind and we could loose. What are some of the things that we're called to bind? We are called to bind the powers of darkness in our life and in our marriage and in our family and with our, in our, our, our children that are attacking our children, that are attacking our nation, that are attacking our church. We are called to bind those powers. What can we loose? We're called to, to loose the, 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 the healing power of God and the, the transforming power of God and the freeing power of God. And we're also called to loose the, the peace of God in our life and the joy of God in our life and the blessings of God. You know, I truly believe that we can go into a situation and, and maybe it's a, a, a hateful situation, an angry situation. And I really believe that under our breath that we can go, I just bind that, that, that spirit of, of, uh, of, of anger in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, I just lose peace in the name of Jesus Christ. When there's chaos, I believe we can go in there and just say, I bind chaos in the name of Jesus Christ. And I, and I, I, I lose understanding in the name of Jesus. And you know, sometimes 
things just happen in life, don't they? And that's just part of being alive and part of being in a fallen world. Things just happen in a day. But there are other times, and you know what I'm talking about, that it's not just having a bad day. There is a spiritual attack that is coming against your children. There is a spiritual attack coming against your career. There's a spiritual attack coming against your finances. There's a spiritual attack coming against a relationship. You understand the difference. We see the difference. But we don't have to just take that. We can do something about that in the name of Jesus. And we, we can bind sickness in the name of Jesus Christ. We can bind depression or discouragement in the name of Jesus or, or a spirit of suicide or a spirit of, of anxiety or a spirit of fear. You know, the Bible tells us, it says that we have not been given a spirit of fear. Don't miss that word, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. That means fear is more than just uh, our emotions going haywire. It's a spiritual attack against our, our life. And we can bind that in the, in the name of Jesus. And one example of that that I just thought of is, is there was uh, somebody years ago that was ha- would have night terrors. This lady would have dreams that spiders would come down and, and she'd scream in the middle of the night. Uh, and you can imagine how she enjoyed that and how much her husband I- enjoyed that. She would scream about that and run and just be, be absolutely terrified. Well, I found out about that and, and we prayed in the name of Jesus. And we just came against those, those tormenting spirits in the name of Jesus. And she never had another, another one of those nightmares Again, there's people in our church that they're, they, they're, their children had nightmares, their, their children had tormenting dreams, and they prayed over that in the name of Jesus Christ, and they bound that, and they loosed the peace of God in their life, and they saw a complete change, a difference, because of their prayers. The third thing is pray in the name of Jesus. I love the story about the healing at the gate called Beautiful. There's a man who was, uh, was lame there, and when Peter and John went to pray one afternoon, he was asking for money, and, and uh, Peter looked at him and said, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he didn't just get up and walk. He got up and was praising God, and he was leaping and dancing and jumping around and everything, and, and it was beautiful. And, and people knew, what was, you know, knew this guy, and they came around seeing him dancing and everything, and, and they wanted to know what happened. So watch how Peter responds. He says this, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us, uh, as us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. Well, the news reached the religious leaders uh, when all this commotion was taking place. And watch how Peter responded to them. He said, do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I don't want you to miss this part. The religious leaders had Peter and John leave for a moment and, and look at what they said. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were, don't miss this, they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. The Bible once again goes out of its way to say it wasn't Peter and John. They were ordinary people with no formal training, didn't go to seminary, didn't go to Bible, didn't have the Bible memorized, but what they had is they had the name of Jesus Christ and faith that went along with that, and they were able to heal that man because of it. Listen to some of the promises that Jesus gives about uh, praying in his name. John 14, 
and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may, may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. John 16, 23, I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and it will be given to you, that your joy may be complete. Why does Jesus tell us to pray in his name? Is it like some you know, secret cantation or something incantation like abracadabra? Or is it because that, you know, that it's a secret password like codename Jesus? Or is it a sign-off like Roger or 10-4 or Good Buddy or anything like that? No, it's because of the authority that name has. You know, one time when I was uh, going to, to college, I, I worked for the Laboratory of Atmospheric and Space Physics at the University of, of Colorado. And it was, uh, it was just a glorified runner, but, but it was incredible what I was able to do. I just carried a briefcase around and I was able to sign my name and get thousands of dollars to, to take from one place to another. Or I could sign my name and say LASP, Laboratory of Atmospheric and Space Physics, and, and, and I could get a, a whole truckload of absolute alcohol. Can you imagine what the fraternities would have done with, uh, with that? But I remember one time I went to the, the president of the university and I walk up to the receptionist. Now, mind you, there are several people. There's like six or seven people waiting to get an audience with the president. And I go up there and I say, uh, hi, I'm here from LASP. The, the, the person at the desk immediately goes to the, the president's office, knocks and says, LASP is here. And they say, come on in. And so I walk right past these other seven people or so and, and immediately get a signature from the president of the university. And one thing as I was walking by, it was, it was so weird to think, I'm just this little peon. It wasn't anything that I had, but I had the name. I carried the name of LASP. And if you think the name of LASP could do something, how about the name of Jesus Christ and his ability? Listen to this. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him Jesus the name that's above every name, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. You know what that means? That means every sin, every sickness, every disease, or every infirmity needs to bow at the name of Jesus Christ, including COVID-19. That means hell and death must bow at the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell one more story about the power of a name, and, and I'm going to read this story, and I, I love this story. In the darkest part of the night, a ship's captain cautiously piloted his warship through the fog-shrouded waters. With straining eyes, he scanned the hazy darkness, searching for dangers lurking just out of sight. His worst fears were realized when he saw a bright light heading straight towards him. It appeared to be a vessel on collision course with his ship. To avert disaster, he quickly radioed the oncoming vessel. This is Captain Jeremiah Smith. His voice crackled over the radio. Please alter your course 10 degrees south. Over. To the captain's amazement, the foggy image did not move. Instead, he heard back on the radio, Captain Smith, this is Private Thomas Johnson. Please alter your course 10 degrees north. Over. Appalled at the audacity of the message, the captain shouted back over the radio, Private Johnson, this is Captain Smith. And I order you immediately to alter your course 10 degrees south, over. A second time, the oncoming light did not budge. With all due respect, Captain Smith, came the private's voice again. I order you to alter your course immediately 10 degrees north, over. Angered and frustrated at the sailor and he, that he would endanger the lives of his men and crew, the captain growled back over the radio, Private Johnson, I can have you court-martialed for this. 
for the last time, I command you on the authority of the United States government to alter your course 10 degrees to the south. I am a battleship. The private's final transmission was this. Captain Smith, sir, once again, with all due respect, I command you to alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I am a lighthouse. You know, so many times in life, the, the lighthouse, there's not the, the battleships of this world come against us, don't they? Make no mistake, we face so many battleships in this world, and these battleships can intimidate us, they can scare us, and what they really want to do to us is they want to take us off course, and the Bible says they want to ultimately kill, steal, and destroy from us. But we don't have to be intimidated by them, because we carry a name that's bigger than that name. If you think the, the phrase, I am a lighthouse, carries weight, how about the, the phrase of, or the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above all names, the name that carries all the authority of heaven and of, uh, of earth? So what we can do is we can now start looking at our, our battleships, and we can look at them and say, no, I'm not budging. You budge. You leave. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm not leaving. You leave. The next thing is, is we can pray in, in faith. Mark chapter 9, verse 29 says, According to your faith will it be done to you. What is faith? Is faith believing God can do something? No, that's, that's just a fact. God can do something whether, whether we believe he can or not. How about we believe my, God might do something? No, that's kind of more hope than, than faith. Faith is really believing God will do something. You know, so many times when we go on mission trips, when people come back, that, that they're really astounded by how many miracles they see on the mission field and how many answered prayers in, in, in really powerful ways. And we ask the question, because I've experienced that, why is that? Does God love those people more? Does he want to work in their life more than he wants to work in our life? Certainly not. I think one big reason is, uh, is they come with such faith that you can tell that most of them would be stunned if God didn't do something. And let's be honest, in the United States, uh, with a lot of us, if not most of us, even a lot of Christians or most Christians, we would be stunned if God really did something and answered our prayers. We're supposed to pray corporately as well as individually. Uh, there is amazing power, amazing power in united prayer. Listen to what it says in Matthew 18. It says, again, I tell you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I think there's incredible power when, when one person prays, but I think there's even greater, this is what the Bible's telling us, that even greater power when a lot of God's people pray. I think there's incredible power, even greater power that happens because God loves unity. And wherever there's unity, God just shows up in a big way. I think there's even more power when friends pray. I think there's even more power when a couple prays than when the individuals pray. I think there's even more power when a family prays than just the individuals. I think there's more power when a youth group prays. I think there's more power when a church prays. I'll give you one example of that at, at Crossroads. There was a time when we needed land, and so we decided to pray about it as a church, and we put green dots on our watch so that anytime we looked at our watch to see what the time was, uh, we were reminded to pray for the land for the church. 
Well, there were three ladies that were amazing ladies. They're just, they were wonderful and, and incredibly savvy ladies. And, and they were, uh, they own the property that, that the church is on right now. And there was one time when I asked if they were interested in the land and they said, no, we're not, we're not interested in selling. And it, land in there was going between $35,000 to $100,000 an acre in that, in the area. And a, a couple of months later, after we were doing the praying and stuff, I really felt urged to, to ask those ladies to talk again. And I said, would you give me 15 minutes of time? They were amazing ladies. And, I, and they said, sure. And I came up to them and I said, I said, I really believe that God can use your resources and our dream and we can change this community and we can change the world. Well, they said, thank you. And and they got back in touch with me a couple days later. These are savvy business ladies, and they said, we would like to sell you the property for $19,000 an acre. They knew what they could have gotten for that land. And then so we had 16 and a half acres of land. We wanted, we wanted between 20 and 25 acres of land. So we went back to the green dots, and we prayed for even more land. Well, the development company behind the church, they needed access. They needed another access in order to get a zoning permit. So they called us up and asked us out of the blue whether we would be interested in trading property. Long story short is we traded a half an acre of land for six and a half acres of land, and they did all the development. They did all the improvement, which saved us between a quarter of a million dollars and $300,000. Only God could give you six acres of land and save you $250,000 in the process. God loves it. When we pray together, that's why we're doing the high noon prayer now as we're praying together. And uh, most of us are praying at the same time. A lot of us are just praying through the, the day, but we're praying about the same things. And I think, again, God answers these prayers in a powerful way because he loves it when God's people are united in prayer. Something else is, is we pray with perseverance. I once heard a television evangelist say that if you prayed more than once for something, that it showed that you didn't have faith. Well, I have two problems with that. First of all, Jesus Christ prayed at least one time more than once. He prayed in the garden three times. And then also he told a parable that totally wipes that out, out of the planet. He said this, Then Jesus told them this, uh, the disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray, don't miss this, and never give up. Apparently, there are times that we give up too easily and too early in prayer. So many times that we want ASAP prayers, which are, uh, God, answer this as soon as possible. And what we really should, should have is, uh, is ush prayers. Pray until something happens. Until something happens. And here's the parable. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about people. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming up to him and pleading, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to, to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about man, yet because of this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge said. And will God not bring justice uh, for the, his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Don't miss that. Cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. You know, the first time I read that, it kind of bugged me because how I read that is God wants us to, you know, that, that our, our constant prayers are pestering God. But if we just pester him enough, maybe he'll change his, his mind. But that's the exact opposite of what this means. It's not comparing God with this, with this unrighteous judge. It's contrasting him, saying, if, 
You know, if this unrighteous judge who doesn't care, give a flip about people or anything else, if he's going to do that, how much will God, who loves his children and really cares about that? And don't miss this. Have you ever wondered if your prayers just bug God and consistently praying about the same thing? How could they bug God if God tells us to do that? If God tells us, you know, the words when we said, uh, you know, seek and you will find and all that. What it's really saying, it's in the present tense. And what that means is, is this. Ask, keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking. Knock, keep on knocking. God commands us. God wants us to keep doing that because it presses into the relationship. That's why God does that. Persevere in prayer. Sometimes we give up way too early. So pray with the power that God has given you. Pray with the authority that God has given you. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray in faith and pray with other people and pray with perseverance and watch what God does in your prayer life and through your prayer life. I love you guys. God bless you. Have an awesome week and let's be people of prayer. Thanks again for listening to the Crossroads podcast. Check back with us weekly to hear more messages. We hope you have a blessed day.